Good morning, church. I haven't gotten to tell you yet this week. I love you, and I appreciate you so very much. Every week that goes by that's still not quite normal, uh, but is getting closer and closer to normal, I, I just think about how much I appreciate your endurance, your patience, your long-suffering, and your love for one another. So let me again tell you how much I love you and how much I appreciate you. I've enjoyed going through this series with you, talking about Ecclesiastes, and I hope that this process of becoming disillusioned with the illusions is a positive thing rather than a negative thing. Let me, let me see if you've ever heard either of these two phrases before. I, have you ever heard the, the phrase, if you want something done right, do it your self? You, you've heard that before, right? If you want something done right, do it yourself. Or, or this is too important to leave it up to chance, right? It's too important to leave it up to chance. You've said things like that. You've thought about things that way. If this has to get done, if this needs to be done right, if I want to make sure that this gets done right, I have to do it myself, and it's too important to leave it up to chance. You've thought that way. Doesn't even just thinking through those phrases, doesn't that just make you tired? Just thinking that way, that this is so important, I have to do it, nobody else can do it right, I have to do it, and I have to make sure that it gets done right, and if I don't do it, it won't get done or it won't get done in the right way. It makes us sort of exhausted thinking about things that way. But, but I, think, I think in our culture, we tend to like exhaustion, don't we? We tend to like exhaustion. In fact, I think we even tend to wear exhaustion like a badge of honor. We, we like to wear it as a badge of honor to show people just how much we work and how little we rest that we really believe that we, we have to do all of these things. And if we don't do all of these things personally and we don't oversee them personally, that they'll all fall apart. And so we have to make sure we're doing all of these things. And we are so incredibly busy and we're so incredibly tired. It's true no matter how old you are, whether you're working a full-time job or you're retired or you're in school, whether you're working at a job or you're working at school, whether it's academics or athletics, whether it's at home, whether it's engagement in politics. I mean, some of us, I think that's like a full-time job, just getting engaged in, in politics. Whatever it is, we are so, so busy trying to build something trying to fix something, trying to sell something, trying to become something, and we're just running, 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 chasing, 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 and we're doing it, we're doing it with this idea trying to find the secret of success. And by success, we mean what is the outcome? How is this going to work out, right? We want to ensure the right outcomes. That's why we believe in the back of our mind that if we don't do it, if we just leave it up to chance or we leave it up to you-know-who or whatever, if, if we don't do it personally, if we don't work our fingers to the bones, if we don't bleed and sweat and cry over this project, it won't work out right. We want to control the outcomes, don't we? We want to control the outcomes. We want to make sure that this turns out the right way. We want to ensure that everything goes right and it ends up in the right way. And we think, 
We think we've convinced ourselves that if we work hard enough or we work long enough or we work smart enough, then we can control the outcomes, right? We think if we work hard enough or we work long enough or we work smart enough that we can control the outcomes. But church, that is an illusion. That's an illusion. Controlling the outcomes, controlling the outcomes is an illusion. I think that's the next slide. Controlling the illusions is, controlling the outcomes rather, is an illusion. And we need to become disillusioned with this illusion of control, right? Controlling the outcomes is an illusion. It's an illusion that we've convinced ourselves about, that we can control the outcomes. If we work hard enough or we work long enough or we work smart enough, then we can control how everything turns out. But controlling the outcomes is an illusion. And we need to become disillusioned with this illusion of control. And the book of Ecclesiastes wants to unburden us The book of Ecclesiastes wants to relieve us of the burden of this illusion. Because this illusion, this illusion that we can control the outcomes, that if we work hard enough and we work long enough and we work smart enough, that we can control how things turn out, that illusion is making you exhausted. It's making me exhausted. It's wearing us out. And it's time we stop wearing exhaustion as a badge of honor. It's time we stop working and operating under this illusion of controlling the outcomes because controlling the outcomes is an illusion and we need to become disillusioned with this illusion of control because we are not in control of the outcomes. And as soon as we accept that and realize that and embrace that, our life gets a whole lot Better. So let's look at the text. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 18, as we wrap up this series. Ecclesiastes 2 and verse 18, he says, I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. See, this is one reason you can't control the outcomes, because you're going to have to leave it to someone else. Someone else is going to pick up where you leave off, right? In a lot of different ways, not just when you die, that's true too, and we'll talk about that in a second, not just when you die, but in all kinds of ways. You're going to retire, and you're going to stop doing that job. Your life situation is going to change. Something's going to change. You're going to move. You're going to take a different job. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Your kids are going to graduate from high school. Whatever it is, things are going to change, and someone is going to pick up where you leave off. You're not in control of how this thing turns out because you're not the only person that's contributing to the outcomes. You're not the only person contributing to the outcomes. Other people are contributing as well. And you have control for a little while over a little bit of things, right? You have control for a little while over a few things. But someday, someone else is going to be master of all the things you toiled over. And some of us, that drives us crazy, doesn't it? And we think, I can't leave it to someone else. Because who knows, just like the preacher of Ecclesiastes, who knows, what's that guy going to do with it? I've worked really hard. I've done all of these things. I've fixed all of this stuff. And then he might come along 
and mess up everything I've done. And he says, I hated it. I hated it. When I realized everything I built, everything I've done, everything that I invested my blood, sweat, and tears into, somebody else is going to come along and they're going to be the master of all the things over which I toiled. And who knows how they're going to handle it. They might mess up everything I've done. And some of us, we want to hold on to everything forever. I want to be the master of this because only I can make sure it turns out right. And if I don't do it, who will? And this is too important to leave it up to chance. And if you want something done right, do it yourself. And the writer of Ecclesiastes says, I realized, can't do that. It doesn't work. I can't hold on to it forever. I'm going to be done and I'm going to leave it to somebody else and somebody else is going to pick up where I left off and who knows what they're going to do with it. So you're not the only one that contributes to the outcomes. Somebody else is contributing in lots of different ways to the outcomes of whatever it is that you are working towards. Whatever it is that you're working towards, other people are contributing to those outcomes and so you're not in control of how things turn out. And of course, that can drive us crazy if we're still operating under this illusion. Look at verse 20. He says, So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. Another reason you can't control the outcomes is because you may not live long enough to enjoy them. You may not live long enough to experience them. Do you remember Jesus told a parable about this? Do you remember Jesus' parable about this? And he says that there's this rich guy and he's a farmer and he's planted a crop and his, his crops come in and it's so big and so plentiful and he has so much food, he has no idea what to do with it all. But he says, oh, I know. I know what I'm going to do with it all. I'm going to give it all away to the poor because there's all kinds of hungry people. Is that what he said? Nope. No, instead he said, I know, I know. I'm going to prepare for the future. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns. That way I can store up all of this grain, all of this food, and I can just sit back and I can relax and I can be done and I'm going to enjoy all the things that my ground has produced. And that night, God came to him and said, you fool, you fool, this very night, your life is going to be demanded from you. And now who's going to enjoy all of this stuff that you prepared for yourself? Not you. See, he, he thought, I can control the outcomes. I know what the outcome is going to be. I'm prepared. I'm working hard. And if I've worked hard enough and long enough and smart enough, then I can prepare for my future. And God says, guess what? You don't know the future. You can't see the future. You don't know how this story's going to end. That's not wrong to prepare for the future, but it is wrong. It is wrong to so prepare for the future a future that may end up not happening, that we fail to be generous in the moment. Sometimes we fail to be generous in the present because we're too focused on trying to fix the future, trying to control the outcomes of the future that we don't have control over 
anyway, and we fail to see the needs that are right there in front of us because we're still operating under this idea that if I work hard enough and I work long enough and I work smart enough, I can control how this story ends. And God says, you don't have any idea how this story ends. So in the moment, you need to be generous. Look at verse 22. He says, what has a man, what has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun, for all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. Now this is going to step on some toes, isn't it? It steps on my toes. How about yours? This really hits us where we live, doesn't it? That when we're trying to control things that we can't control, how does that feel? How does it feel when you're trying to control things you can't control? Again, it's like every, every metaphor we've been using through this series. It's like trying to build a sandcastle right on the edge of the ocean. You've done that, haven't you? You've been right there on the beach and you've kind of built a sandcastle and then the wave washes in and it knocks it down. And then you try to build another one as if you're in control of whether or not another tide comes in and washes your sandcastle away. And he says, it's exhausting, it's sorrowful, it's vexing to try to control things you can't control. And he says, even in the night, his heart does not rest. You ever lose sleep over something over which you have no control? You ever lose sleep trying to control something you can't control? You don't have control over how this turns out. You don't have control over the outcomes, but trying to control them, convincing yourself that it's all up to you, that if you work hard enough and you work long enough and you work smart enough, you can fix this, you can control this, you can make sure that this turns out the way you want it to turn out is sorrowful. It's vexing. It makes you angry and frustrated and you lose sleep. You can't even rest. Even at night you can't rest, much less during the day. You can't rest when you think you're in control of how things turn out. So again, Ecclesiastes wants to relieve us of the burden of this illusion because controlling the outcomes is an illusion and we need to become disillusioned with this illusion of control. Look at verse 24. He says, There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. From apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? See, the question is, is it all, is it all just random? Is it all just random then? If I can't control how things turn out, if I can't make sure that if I work hard enough and long enough and smart enough that things turn out in my favor and that I get to enjoy all the things that I worked for and toiled for and that these things actually last and work out the way I want them to, if that a lot of times doesn't happen the way I want it to and it doesn't turn out the way I planned, is it all just random? And the answer is no. It's not random. It's a gift from God. God is the one who controls both the outcomes and the joys of the journey, right? God is the one who controls both the outcomes, the way that the story ends, and the joys of the journey, the little pleasures along the way. And there are a million of them, aren't there? 
There are a million joys along the journey. Things to eat and drink, enjoyments to have, even enjoying your work. It's God who gives those things as a gift to us. Enjoyable things. But here's the thing. When we're trying to control the outcomes when we're operating under the illusion, when we're chasing the wind, when we fail to recognize the hevel, the smoke, the vapor, the vanity, the futility of all of this stuff we're chasing, trying to control how things turn out, when we are operating under those illusions, we miss out on the joy, don't we? We don't enjoy it. We don't enjoy the things that are along the way. We don't enjoy the journey. We don't enjoy the food that God gave us to eat and the drinks that God gave us to drink and the toil that God gives us to toil. We are robbing ourselves of that enjoyment because we think that we have to work hard enough and long enough and smart enough so that we can control the outcomes. That reminded me this week of a friend of mine who had a favorite NFL team. His favorite team, not a great team, not the Cowboys, but uh, he had a favorite team, and, but he never watched them. Somewhere around high school, he gave up watching them because he was convinced that the games that he watched on television, they lost, and the games he didn't watch on television, they won. So he had so convinced himself that the outcome of this professional football game, hundreds of miles away, depended on whether or not he watched it on television. And he was so operating under that illusion that he robbed himself of the joy of watching his team. And you could look at that and you say, that's silly, that's ridiculous. Guess what? You're doing that too. And so am I. We have so convinced ourselves that the outcomes are up to us, that we control the outcomes, that if we work hard enough and we work long enough and we work smart enough and we invest all of our blood, sweat, and tears into this, it's all going to work out the way we want it to work out, and then it doesn't. And not only does it not work out the way we think it will, we missed out on so much joy along the way. We failed to enjoy those moments. How many moments with our kids? How many moments with our spouse? How many moments with our church family? How many moments with our neighbors? How many moments just enjoying the simple pleasures of life have we missed out on because we're operating under the wrong sorts of ideas? We're operating under illusions, the illusion of controlling the outcomes. And the writer of Ecclesiastes says, it's all from God anyway. Both the outcome and the joys of the journey are gifts from God. He's the one. If you have food to eat, it's not because you controlled that outcome. It's because God gave it to you. If you have something to drink, it's not because you worked hard enough and smart enough and long enough. It's because God gave it to you. If you have something to enjoy, say, thank you, God. Not thank you, hands. Not thank you, feet. Not thank you, brain. But thank you, God, because this is from you. And the sooner we realize that, the sooner we recognize that, that the outcomes and the joys of the journey are from God, they are gifts from God, the more we can do his will, which leads us to verse 26. For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. 
See, this is how most people live their life. They gather and they collect. They gather and they collect. They gather and they collect. And guess what? Someday it's all going to be gone. It's all chasing after the wind. It's all vanity. But the writer of Ecclesiastes profoundly, and we don't talk about this enough, he profoundly says, you know what's going to happen is that the Lord's going to give all of it to the one who pleases him, to his people, to, to those who walk by faith. He's going to give it all to those who please him. So we have this tendency to look out into the world and we see all of these people getting ahead, it seems, by ruthless means, by any means necessary, stepping on everybody in their path, and it looks like they're gathering and collecting everything. And our tendency is to envy them and say, somehow, some way, I need to keep up with them. And the writer of Ecclesiastes says, nonsense. That's a chasing after the wind. Don't you know that the world is going to gather and collect, but the meek will inherit the world? The meek will inherit the earth? God's going to give all the good things to his people. To God, he's the one that controls them. So do not spend your life chasing after the wind. Do not spend your life gathering and collecting. Spend your life pleasing him. Because to the one who pleases him, God gives all good things. Here's how we could say it. You control the output, but God controls the outcome, right? You control the output, but God controls the outcome. When you work in faith, when you rest in faith, when you enjoy life, in faith, when you trust God with the outcomes, then you can have the life. This is the life. The life isn't don't work because it's all hevel anyway. It's all smoke and mirrors anyway. It's all vapor anyway. No, nonsense. Work. But work by faith. Work in the Lord. Work to please him. The output is up to you. The outcome is up to God. You work in faith. Your output is by faith. You, you say, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to rest, or I'm going to enjoy this, or I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it by faith. And when we work by faith, and when we rest by faith, and when we enjoy life by faith, we can trust that God has the outcomes under control. When our output is not by faith, it's a waste of time. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is that we're doing, whether we're resting and enjoying ourselves or we're working really hard and working our fingers to the bones, when our output is not by faith, it's a waste of time. It's a chasing after the wind. But when our output is by faith, when we walk and live by faith to please the Lord and we do everything in the name of the Lord, it is not a waste of time. It is not a waste of time. In fact, we can't end this series without thinking about 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen to what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is, what? Not in vain. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And isn't that what the preacher of Ecclesiastes says as well? That the one who pleases him 
God gives all good things. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. When your output is by faith, you can trust God with the outcome. That when your output is by faith, then the outcome is going to be better than you could possibly imagine. We have these outcomes in our mind that are so great and grand and wonderful, and they're chasing after the wind. And God says, wait, 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 stop. I've got a better outcome for you anyway, better than you could possibly imagine. I want to give you every good thing. I want to give you everything. You're my children, and I love you, and I want to give you every good thing. My outcome is better than your outcome anyway, but you have to trust me with the outcomes. You cannot think you control the outcomes. Your output has to be by faith. And when your output is by faith, the outcomes are better than you could possibly imagine anyway. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 that most work, most work that most people do, it'll be like straw. And on the day of judgment, it'll all be burned up. But there is work that will last into the world to come, into the resurrection. The, the work that is founded on Jesus. So when we work in the Lord, when we work by faith, when we work to please him, then the outcomes are better than we could possibly imagine anyway. So we trust him with all of the outcomes. You control the output. You control the output. You control what you do. Whether you work, or you rest, you enjoy something, and you should do all of those things. The next chapter, Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time for all of that. And you should do all of those things. You should work and you should rest and you should enjoy. And when your output is by faith, the outcomes will be better than you can possibly imagine. When you work and live by faith, when you do everything in the name of the Lord, your labor is not in vain. When you do good works in the name of Jesus and because of Jesus, when you share the good news about Jesus, when you work so well in your job and you do such a great job and you work for your boss like you're working for Jesus and you reflect the goodness of God in your workplace or in your school or on the athletic field or wherever you are, your labor is not in vain. But if you work, not by faith, trusting in yourself, trusting in your hands, trusting in your feet, trusting in your brain to work long enough and hard enough and smart enough, chasing the wind, then you're not going to control the outcomes anyway. You control the output, but God controls the outcomes. And isn't that what we're saying when we're baptized into Jesus? Aren't we saying that? Aren't we saying what Paul said, that we're dying to self? that we're being buried with him, that we're saying, my life now belongs to you and everything that I do, whether it's in school or in work or with my neighbors or with my friends, everything that I do, I'm going to do in the name of the Lord. My life now belongs to you. Yes, I control the outputs, but God controls the outcomes. And we, when we're baptized into Jesus, we're saying, Lord, I trust you with the outcome. I trust you with how this story is going to end. And when we have that kind of trust, then God relieves us of the burden of thinking we're in control of the outcomes. So this morning, if there's somebody who's ready 
to be baptized into Jesus, to say, Lord, I trust you with the outcomes, not just the outcomes of my eternity, but the outcomes of everything, the outcomes of everything. And from this point forward, I'm going to work by faith. I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to do everything I do in your name. Or maybe you just need to recommit yourself to that. Maybe you need prayers or encouragement. If we can help you in any way, shape, or form, one of our shepherds would love to visit with you at the information desk as together we stand and sing this song.